This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The body is equipped with several mechanisms to maintain optimal function. Valeria Tejas interviews Dr. Amaryllis Mendez, the author of The Holistic Fibromyalgia Treatment Plan, 28-Day Plans for Healthy Digestion, Therapeutic Movement, and Emotional Well-Being. Born in Santurce, Puerto Rico, Dr. Amaryllis Mendez grew up a very precocious child with hopes of being a missionary doctor, pianist, and writer. Growing up in a military family, she became accustomed to moving around and, after settling in the United States, experiencing firsthand the consequences of her stressful lifestyle, emotional trauma, and poor diet. She was diagnosed with several health conditions before starting medical school, which eventually redirected her future career goals. After being told by doctors to change her life goals, get on disability, and learn to live with her health ailments, she started a master's program and decided to look into alternative healing methods. She decided to study naturopathy instead of going to medical school, hoping to find natural alternatives to help her cope with all her health issues. And her life was transformed. Now, Dr. Mendez serves out of her practice called Countercultural Health, where her mission is to educate about the body's natural healing abilities and what can be done holistically to enhance it. Meet Dr. Amaryllis at cchealing.com. Here is the interview with Dr. Amaryllis Mendez. In your own words, who is Dr. Amarelis Mendes? I am a Christian health educator, um, an introvert, and a caretaker. <laughs> Did you say introvert? <laughs> That's really cute. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy, <laughs> I can relate to it. <laughs> now you know why the interviews are audio only. <laughs> My first official question to you, Dr. Amarelis, is 2020. We have had... Lots of challenges and chains at that time. So I'm wondering what lessons have you learned from the events in 2020? Yeah, I think my biggest lesson has been sort of an acknowledgement that there's very little we actually have control over. And that that's okay. It's, it's a good thing. And we're actually able to adapt and everything can still turn out great. And it's usually something very scary for me to have to admit. How do we learn to become more open and let go more, surrender more to life? I think it's something I can say from my experience. It just has to come in time with life experiences because 
Um, especially when you come from a background where there's a lot of trust issues, you almost feel like you're all you got. And it's really hard to surrender that control. But when, when life just shows you, you never had it to begin with and you realize everything's still okay, then, you know, it's a lot easier after that to, to surrender in different situations. So it takes experience. We cannot really learn these things intellectually, right? Right. What is your own definition of health? What is to be a healthy person from your perspective? Yeah, so I believe health is a process and it's a process in which we're trying to have a state of well-being holistically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, maybe even intellectually. When you talk about spirituality, that component, what do you mean exactly? What is the spiritual aspect of the human being? For me, in my life, it's definitely been a process of just accepting truth, um, first discovering what it was, acknowledging that I'm, I'm not a god, <laughs> that there, there is a higher power that is sovereign and that has created everything, and that that's actually great. It's for my own benefit, and that having a relationship with this god, once I discovered there is one, is, is ultimately what allows me to express who I am much better. Mm, yes, the relationship with God. What and where is God to you? I believe God is everywhere. I don't believe we can confine him to one specific space. Yeah. And like I said, I, I just believe he's the eternal, ultimate, supreme creator of everything that's still very active in our lives and sovereign. When you say he, could that be replaced with uh, she? Could God be a female? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it would be interesting to consider that. But I, in my case, I believe that scripture is the word of God. And because of that, you know, he's described as father and son. Um, all the references to God are male. And so I, I do believe God is male. So my next question is about healing. What is healing to you? And what is it about healing in the healing process we have yet to understand? Yeah, I think I'll start with what we don't understand. I think, especially with conventional medicine, we believe is healing the same as curing. And we believe it's something very static. You have a disease, you got a diagnostic test, and the results showed positive or that something was wrong. So you eliminate whatever that is, and then you're fine. Um, healing is very different from that. It, it's not just curing. It's not eliminating symptoms or, or just the results on a test. It's like we mentioned, it's, it's, it's a very holistic and, and it's a process. I don't believe there's a specific point where you can just say I'm 100% healthy. I believe that it, there's a progression of health over time that we should be seeking. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? So right now, I'm looking at life more as a, I would say maybe a process of development. I think that we go through different processes and different stages, and each one provides opportunities for growth. And we get to decide whether we allow it to, to help us grow or whether we kind of just stay stuck. Do you believe in having a unique purpose, a gift? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's both a general and a unique purpose. 
I believe as far as the unique purpose goes, it's usually a combination of the giftings you've been given, your talents, your passions, your interests. And the general one I think we know is to glorify God and to love everyone, (laughs) to love ourselves. Yeah, that's a beautiful one. What is the purpose of your life at this time? Why did you choose to become a doctor? Yeah, I think part of my purpose has been just spreading the knowledge I've attained in life. I think learning and being a student is something that came very natural and very easy for me from a very young age. I was I was very precocious. I started school very young. Um, and I always enjoyed passing on the information. Just learning it wasn't enough. <laughs> um, and so I think, um, you know, with now becoming a doctor, especially as I was transitioning more into a a holistic field versus the conventional medical doctor I was going to be at first, I learned even the definition of the word doctor really is to teach. It's, it's to educate. Um, it it doesn't mean healer as we would, we would assume. Yeah. So that to me kind of clarified even more that I wanted to be a doctor. And I guess it was just my own journey that revealed to me that a medical doctor was just not what I wanted anymore. It didn't work out for me and it wasn't going to help me do what I wanted to do for other people. When you say teacher, yeah, that's interesting. I was actually asking somebody, I think my husband really, about the difference between being a teacher and a messenger. But for you, I'll add the word healer. So do you see any difference between a healer, a teacher and a messenger? Hmm. So with me, I don't personally like to refer to myself as a healer because I I think of healer as the one who does the healing. And I don't believe I do the healing. I believe our bodies do it. (laughs) Um, So I, I give you the information that can help you facilitate the process, but I myself don't do any healing. And that's where I think it's the different. I'm educating you on your body's ability to heal and how you can do to enhance it. So it's more of a guide. So it's guiding, guidance, right? Yeah. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Hmm. I think maybe freedom is an awareness of our opportunities. I think we don't feel like we're free when we feel like there's no choice. And when we know the choices that we have and we're able to make those choices, that's when we feel free. For me, that has been a challenge, an interesting challenge, journey challenge altogether, choosing how to think, not to feel that, I guess feelings are connected to to thoughts too, but choosing how to think. And when you don't want to think about certain things, have you tried that? I know in your book, you suggest meditation. As, as a healing method too, or relaxation method. Yeah, talk to me for a moment about that. Yeah, for, for me specifically, um, it's more of a redirecting of thoughts as opposed to not thinking at all. Um, and, and challenging my thoughts have, has been a big part of my healing process because we're so kind of programmed into certain belief system and thought patterns and we don't think to challenge it because it just seems so foundational to our being. But when we are finally open to it 
and we challenge these thoughts and we realize how, in some cases, they've been very self-destructive. Um, that, too, is freedom. So, yeah, you do mention negative thinking and how to deal with that. I'll be asking you that question in a moment. That has been an interesting journey, as I mentioned, to try to redirect, like you said. Um, yeah, I'll be asking you more questions in a moment about that. So you wrote the book, The Holistic Fibromyalgia Treatment Plan, 28-Day Plans for Healthy Digestion, Therapeutic Movement, and Emotional Well-Being. Two initial questions. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration, intention, and the purpose of writing this book? So writing, I believe, is also something I, I just started at a very young age. I used to journal before I knew journaling was a thing. <laughs> um, and it was always very therapeutic to me as an introvert, which I guess you can relate. Um, your mind is always racing and there's so much there. And, and sometimes you just feel the need to express it. Um, but as an introvert, maybe socializing isn't always the preferred way of expressing <laughs> True. it. True. And so writing has been that for me. It's been a way of kind of letting out everything that's in my mind and, and being able to process it in a much healthier way. And um, eventually, you know, that turned into creative writing. And then, you know, as I progressed in my education, it became more academic. Um, but writing is very therapeutic for me. And it's, like I said, a way of just kind of releasing all the clutter yeah. in my yeah. brain. What was the inspiration? What inspired you to write about this specific topic? So fibromyalgia is something I experienced firsthand. Um, I started getting very sick towards the end of high school, and it just got progressively worse throughout college. And as I mentioned in the book, it took years for me to figure out what was going on. I got a lot of um, information about what I didn't have going on. But doctors were really confused as to what was going on, especially because I was so young. And it was a very discouraging time in my life, having even, you know, the professionals that I looked up to since I was an aspiring medical doctor tell me that they didn't know what was wrong with me or that maybe maybe it was just stress. Maybe it was just all in my head. Maybe I was a hypochondriac. <laughs> um, it, it was a very difficult time. And so now that I've been able to get past that, that I've learned about my body's ability to heal and I've been able to help that happen and I no longer suffer from any of these symptoms, I feel like it's the right thing to do to share that knowledge with anybody else who might be kind of stuck where I was a few years ago. So fibromyalgia, I heard briefly about it. I think I read it somewhere, but briefly. So talk to me about what fibromyalgia is, also the known causes, and some of the symptoms. Yeah, so fibromyalgia is basically a, a condition of white, widespread pain. Um, as far as the cause, we don't really know for sure what the cause is. We can kind of explain what's going on in the body once you have it. It seems like the nervous system is just hypersensitive. So you feel things much more intensely. And the symptoms can be, you know, the chronic pain. A lot of times there's also chronic fatigue. There can be sleep issues, digestive issues. And then there's the emotional, you know, either anxiety or depression. Um, there's also instances where there's a lot of other conditions going on too. It's not just fibromyalgia. 
But the cause, from my perspective, is multifactorial, <laughs> as it is in a lot of other conditions. It's not necessarily just one thing that we can pinpoint, but it's probably a perfect storm, a combination of different things that kind of facilitated you developing this condition. What are the symptoms, the, the uh, skin issues as well, Dr. Morales, or...? So skin issues isn't a specific fibromyalgia symptom, but it, it can be. Like I said, a lot of times it exists with a lot of other conditions, especially autoimmune conditions. And so skin issues are, are relatively common in people who suffer from fibromyalgia. Another question I have for you is about if this affects more women than men, and if it does, why? It definitely seems to affect middle-aged women more so. We don't fully know why. Um, perhaps once we discover it, that might be part of what guides us into figuring out the cause. But just as an autoimmune, it, it's very similar to autoimmune. With autoimmune, we also tend to see that more in, in women than in men. Your book is filled with suggestions and tips and techniques. I mean, lots of them. You have different sections and you give so many advice and suggestions. It's a wonderful book. I love the way it is also colorful and um, all the images that you have there, the cartoonish. I love that. It's really, it's relaxing just to look at it. <laughs> the first technique you're using. <laughs> But the question I have is about stress. So in the book, you say with fibromyalgia, the body is stuck in a stress response. Chronic stress depletes the immune system, anti-pain system, and anti-anxiety system. So my question is, how do we learn to recognize the signs of healthy stress, anxiety, even um, a moment of fear, and chronic stress? Yeah, so a healthy stress is something that's temporary and, and then we quickly recover from it. If you're um, in a car accident in that moment, of course, you're, you're perspiring, your body's very tense, your heart's racing, you have immediate stress symptoms. Right. And if shortly after that ex, um, accident, you're able to sort of relax and come back to your balance, then that was a healthy stress at the moment that your body created to help you react to a, what could have been a very dangerous situation. Right. When we get stuck in it, these symptoms remain. Your body continues to pump these stress hormones through your body. You're, you're still in a state of fear, anxiety, and panic. Your muscles are still tense. Um, your heart is still racing. If this continues for extended periods of time, that's when it becomes dangerous. It sounds like accumulation of stress, but it's not, right? It's a... It's just this ongoing. Um, exactly. That's the word. Yeah. Um, ongoing um, stimulated nervous system. It, I remember that because that had been my case too. Although I never developed any conditions like this, but maybe because of exercise, I used to exercise a lot. And you have this as one of the uh, suggestions to exercise. Not just suggestions, but it is actually scientifically proven, right, Dr. Morales? You wrote in your book, you say, keep in mind that you have more control over your health than you might have thought. Individuals play a huge role in achieving and maintaining health. So that's very empowering to me. I love to hear that 
we can take care of ourselves too, not just uh, doctors or other people that we they can guide us, but it's, it is our responsibility to take care of our own being, the entire being. So my question is, are there any doctors or conventional doctors or perhaps people like you who specialize in fibromyalgia? Is that the case or there's no such a thing? Actually, I have. Um, I don't know any off the top of my head, but I have read about some doctors that um, both medical doctors and holistic practitioners that maybe they had a personal experience as well and they chose to specialize just in that area. So they do exist. I, I don't know that they're very common. <laughs> right, right. Um, so they might not be widespread around the country, but but they do exist. I have heard of at least a couple. That's good to know. Do you also specialize in fibromyalgia? Not fibromyalgia specifically, no. I, I tend to work more with autoimmune in general, and fibromyalgia usually falls in that category just because a lot of the autoimmune also have fibromyalgia or um or maybe it's a genetic predisposition of autoimmunity that eventually helps lead into fibromyalgia as well. So it's it's mostly autoimmune in general, not necessarily just fibromyalgia. So treatment options, you mentioned lots of them. I have used some, not all of them. Acupuncture, hypnotherapy, massage therapy, and biofeedback, among others that you mentioned in the book. So for you, what treatment um, option was the most effective one? So, of course, it wasn't just one. It was a combination. Um, There were different things that I found were most profound in me. I think number one was um, the mental health, (laughs) the emotional health. I had a lot of trauma that I had to work through. I had to allow myself to kind of open up those doors again and process it all over again. and we've actually found there's there's actually studies showing that trauma does seem to be a trigger for fibromyalgia. And I noticed with me a lot of times, especially after I, you know, when I started counseling, just after leaving my sessions and being able to to have someone to share some of that with, it was it was like a heavy burden that I was carrying all those years. And just being able to let that out sometimes would decrease my pain levels. <laughs> just talking about stuff, um, I would leave and I would just feel lighter anxiety would be a lot less and and just my pain levels would go down significantly. So I know emotional health and addressing the trauma and all that was a huge aspect for me. Another one was just diet and digestion. (laughs) Um, For me, I thought my diet was relatively healthy because I didn't eat out. I ate mostly at home and, you know, so I I was kind of in control of the quality of my foods. Um, And I didn't have any allergies. But it turns out because of my digestive issues, I had tons of sensitivities, (laughs) which is one of the things that I discussed in my book. And my sensitivities were so severe that even just chopping up certain vegetables, even if I didn't eat them, that was enough to cause a flare up for days for me. So I I had to for, for a time, I had to have a very strict diet. And so I was able to get rid of some of these sensitivities. So that was huge. And then the third one I would say definitely was exercise. Um, It was hard to discover that exercise was one because I was in so much pain and I was so tired. The last thing I wanted to do was exercise. But when I would force myself to do it, I actually felt better. (laughs) 
Yeah, because that stimulates yeah, life. It kind of brings life back. Movement's life, right? We, we know that. That's interesting. So the book is formatted in the same way that from what you learned. Everything's extracted from your experience. That's also wonderful to know that you have been through that. You know what it takes to heal. But it depends on the person too, right, Dr. Morales? Exactly. It's very unique. And that's something I hope anyone who reads the book understands, because sometimes we're looking for a very specific general approach. And although it might be easier to just have, you know, a specific set of rules to follow, a lot of times that'll set you up for failure, because what will work for one person may not work for you, which is why I wanted to focus on the three main areas that basically we all have to address and work on if we're in the process of healing and then giving different options as to what things you need to take into consideration in those areas so that you can sort of, by trial and error, create your own healing plan. Yeah, talk to me for a moment. I was about to say that conventional medicine is in a way one size fits all. It's giving the same medication to everyone. Uh, but what is the main difference between holistic medicine and conventional medicine? Yeah, I would say conventional medicine in general kind of just focuses on managing disease with drugs. Um, even from my experience, like I said, my original plan was to be a conventional medical doctor. We're trained very well on biology and understanding how the body works and being able to detect disease. And the approach to healing it is either cut something out or, you know, give these drugs to change the symptoms or to cover them up but it, it it's not healing. Then you, you depend on these drugs to, to function. And even then over time, maybe you need more drugs or maybe you need a higher dose. You, you never get better that way. So with, you know, holistic medicine and the functional approach, we're not focused so much on a diagnosis. We don't even really need a diagnosis. We need to know what's causing the body to not function the way it should be. And once we determine what that is, then we can help figure out what your body needs to bring it back to function. Wow. And that can be very unique to the person. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of not creating labels and just addressing the cause. That seems like, in a way, common sense that we eat something and then we just become aware of how we feel after eating something or being in touch with whatever it is. It could be an environment too, um, talking about emotional health, right? People that surround us. So it takes awareness really, right? The healing process. We're almost at the end. I know I have too many questions here now still, but talk to me for a moment about hypnotherapy. Yeah, so with hypnotherapy, it's it's not something I did personally, so that one's not from experience. It's just more on what research has shown. And with hypnotherapy, it has been a way to kind of help people get into a, a, a heightened state of awareness and mindfulness. It's also helped people release a lot of things, and I think that plays into more of that. Like we talked about the emotional health and the fact that there's a lot of trauma um, triggering a lot of these conditions. And sometimes there's so much um, suppression and, and repression of memories and, and issues that we're not even able to tap into it on our own. Right. We do need guidance in that, for that, yeah, aspect. 
Yeah, I absolutely love that you begin with emotional health. That makes so much sense to me, especially I talk a lot about spiritual health being the ultimate. Once we have a very clear understanding there, then it's easier or simpler, let's say, to to heal the body and the mind. But I love that you have that section, those sections separate, and you start with emotional health and everything that you suggest there is just makes a lot of sense to me. It resonates true. There's one section in a book that you talk about under emotional health, creating boundaries, this ability to say no. That's a big one, isn't it? Oh, yes, especially for introverts. (laughs) Yeah, right. Tell me about it. So how do we learn to deal with that and not feel guilty and bad about it? Yeah, I think the first thing, like, like we talked about is self-awareness because some of us don't even know what a healthy boundary would look like for us. So it's getting to know our needs firstly, especially, you know, with a condition like fibromyalgia, you're in so much pain and you're so fatigued. Um, Sometimes we set unrealistic expectations. We want to be able to help everyone all the time. We want to be able to please everyone um, for some of us, because it gives us a certain sense of self-worth if we're able to just say yes all the time. But ultimately, I think what's helped me is recognizing even if your main goal is to do for everybody else, you can't do for everybody else unless you're well. And so the boundary, it's a way of, you know, showing self-love, but it can even be love for those around you. Because if you want to be there for them, Mm. you have to be well. Mm. What are you saying now makes so much sense. But I heard something Interesting. Somebody said um, self-love, it's loving others is also self-love because if you are connected with others, that means you're loving yourself as well because everything's connected in a way. I have the ending questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, let me see. So I don't have a like an entire section to read, but maybe to emphasize. Yes. Um, There's one section I would like to emphasize, and it's in the second chapter of the book, and it talks about the difference between um, progress and perfection. I think, especially when it comes to healing, when we've been sick for a very long time, we want to be well and we want it right away, (laughs) and that's what conventional medicine seems to give although not really because they can give you a drug that might make you feel better right away even though you're not really better and so it's sometimes a a false expectation when you're you're trying to do things naturally you expect that magic herb that magic pill supplement that magic therapy that you're just going to do it and then you're all better and it doesn't work that way so I, i wrote in the book The great thing about natural healing is that it does not require perfection. That frees us from the guilt of maybe not doing more some days or doing too much on others. I wrote that the goal is incremental progress, not perfection. And the only way to fail is to do nothing. So that was a lesson that I learned and found to be very helpful (laughs) in my own healing process. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? I think the hardest lesson to learn in life um, was that I didn't know myself. (laughs) 
Um, I lived my life with a certain perception of who I was, and it mostly came from what other people told me about me. There was very little of my own understanding of who I was or why I was who I was. And that it was very hard for me to even figure that out. <laughs> so I would say that's probably one of the biggest um, and most difficult lessons. And it's one that's still in progress. How do we know what are the signs when we are getting there, getting to know ourselves? For me, that was very much intertwined into just where I was spiritually. Um, and as I mentioned, when I came to have a better understanding of God and who he was and through my study of scripture, just understanding, you know, why I was created and that he created me exactly how he wanted me to be and that it brought him pleasure to make me that the way I am. That alone was very freeing because um, sometimes when we when we're trying to, I guess, evaluate ourselves or figure out who we are. We're just looking at um, maybe virtues and flaws <laughs> and, and we look at it very two dimensional but bringing in that other aspect of, no, I'm, I'm, I have value and I have purpose. And who I am is very intentional. It wasn't accidental. I think that alone was very freeing and, and just allow me to even figure out yeah. um, who I was. Yeah. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things that I know about life for sure is, um, one, like I said, it's definitely a process. I, it's not static at all. Things could be one way today and completely different tomorrow. And us being able to succeed in life is going to depend on how, how able we are to adapt to that process. Um, another thing that I know is that God is real. Like I said, he loves us all and he gave us all purpose whether we come to accept that or not is kind of going to determine our course in life. And the third thing um, that I know for sure in life is I guess maybe going into purpose. I now have faith that I live in my purpose and that it's not, um, again, I guess static is something I've, I've just learned in general. I used to think even purpose was very static I thought there was a specific place I had to be at a certain time and a specific thing that I had to do. And now I've, I've recognized that every day of my life, I'm living in my purpose. Mm. Um, and that purpose is also changing right. as life continues. Thank you so much for sharing your profound, timeless wisdom. The work you do, it's beautiful. It's very compassionate to do that. And thank you for your presence, too. Thank you so much, Dr. Morelis. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation, for interviewing me. <laughs> Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes, right now, the best place would be my website, www.cchealing.com. It talks about my programs. It has contact information. It has information for social media outlets, for those who prefer that. Everything's on there wonderful. I'll have that link on your podcast profile as well. Thank you so much again and we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Amaryllis Mendez and her work, please visit cchealing.com To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. 